You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today we're talking about a very fun game, Pacers-Bucks in Milwaukee. Pacers lose by nine, but Giannis had to score 50 for the new-look Pacers to get beat on the road against the defending champs. It was a fun game. Buddy Heald was electric and awesome. Tyrese Halliburton continues to impress. Jalen Smith looked nice. Goga looked nice. A lot of good stuff for the Pacers despite the loss, and I know that the loss is all that matters to some fans, and that's totally fine, but all in all, an encouraging night for the Pacers. We'll break that all down. And then, speaking of Goga, I want to talk about his kind of opportunity that's going on right now. I think he has, uh, for, for good reason, kind of fallen to the wayside in the in the young player hierarchy, and, and his spot in this rebuild is a little shaky, given who else has played well. But, you know, what is he doing right now? What kind of opportunity does he have? Where does Rick Carlisle think he stands in this, too? And then at the end, I want to talk about interesting stat stuff. I haven't gotten to do that in a while with three-point attempts because are the Pacers shooting too much? That's something you never hear from the Pacers, but I think they might be. Let's talk about all that, but let's start with the game. That's what matters. This is a basketball podcast. After all, Pacers lose to the Bucks 128-119, another game where their bad defense rears its ugly head and they give up nearly 130. Again, they're scoring very well since they acquired all these new players. Offense, no problem. Defense, very much a problem. And the headline of the game is easy. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 50 points, 17 for 21 from the field, 18 free throw attempts, 14 rebounds. He was unbelievably good. It wouldn't have mattered who the Pacers had available. He would have had a game like this. But, you know, without Miles Turner, without any stocky four since they traded away, you know, Justin Holiday's not really stocky, but they traded him away. They traded Torrey Craig away. They had nothing to put on him credibly at all. Sabonis is off the team after the deadline. So the uh, Jalen Smith started at the four because Duarte was hurt. So they moved Brissett to the three. Brissett is maybe the best option they have. Jalen Smith's really skinny. Goga's definitely too slow. Terry Taylor, 6'5". He actually did probably the best job of anybody. But that kind of sums up the, the Pacers' cho- choices in this game. They had no one to defend Giannis. And he just killed them. 50 points in 81% shooting is ridiculous. I think I saw that it was the fourth fewest shot attempts by any player in a 50-point game in NBA history. He completely dominated the Pacers, and they needed him to because the Bucs did not get a ton from anybody else. Only three other guys scored over 10 points for them. So they needed it because the Pacers did play well, and they hung around for the whole game. And it was, you know, you know what's interesting about this game? It was very not pacers Bucksy for those who have been keeping up with the Pacers for more than the ongoing season. The last four Pacers-Bucks games prior to tonight, the closest one was 17 points at the beginning of the ongoing season. That was 108-91 back in October. Um, or excuse me, that that is inaccurate. The closest one was 10. That game was 10. Uh, but still, they the Pacers lost by 18 to the Bucks this season, 15 to the Bucks this season, uh, 19 to the Bucks last season, 27 and 20 to the Bucks last season. All that to say, usually these games go very poorly for the Pacers. To keep it within single digits was one of their best performances against Milwaukee in a while, and they did it with good shooting and a good balanced kind of attack. You know, Buddy Heald shot a lot with 20, 20 shot attempts, but he was filling it up. Buddy Heald was awesome, awesome in this game. 36 points. He made eight threes, 
And that's sort of something the Pacers have to do against the Bucks when they're outsized and outsped in the front court. They have to find a way to win the guard minutes. And they found a way in this game with Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halberton combining for 11 made threes. Buddy hit eight of them himself. And something that made his night go from good shooting night to good scoring night is he was getting inside the arc and making two pointers two six of eight inside the arc hit some nice mid-rangers got all the way to the rim which is something he kind of struggles with in general 36 excellent excellent game for buddy healed and again i know that i'm not the biggest fan of his game in general and he's had some certainly some shortcomings elsewhere on the court in his whole career but i think being out of sacramento is really energizing him Uh, He fits in well with what the Pacers do, and he fits well with what they need him to do, which is just be anyone who's willing to shoot and is capable at it. We saw how that can be problematic in their last game against Minnesota, and he was one for 13. But in games like this, it can also show how much that adds to this team. Again, he played 37 minutes, and the Pacers won those minutes. They outscored the Bucs in those minutes. He's the headliner for the Pacers. He was excellent. Halliburton continues to be awesome for the Pacers, 17-8 and in this game. He made three triples himself. He's got some issues on defense like everybody on this team right now, but uh, he certainly makes up for it on offense. He was very good. Other than that, you know, everybody I think who played, played mostly to their expectation except for, I would say, two guys. O'Shea Brissett, an off night, two for eight for him with only six points. And uh, Dwayne Washington gets under four minutes. And just he is, he is really struggling to find an impact since the trades. He only played four minutes for a reason. Kiefer Sykes was out playing him. Kiefer Sykes finished with 10 points and five assists, one of his best games in a while, despite some clunky shooting. Dwayne is not playing well since the trade deadline. He's getting outplayed by every other healthy and active player on the roster, and there's a good reason he didn't play very much, but it's been a bummer to see him kind of pivot like this. So all in all, a decent performance for most Pacers You know, Jalen Smith hit two corner threes. Speaking of Jalen Smith corner threes, this could be a thing. This is something that I will be monitoring for sure. He hit half his threes as a rookie from the corners. He hit 24% in general, which is bad. And he hit 23% in general before getting traded this year. There is no evidence that suggests Jalen Smith is a good shooter. What he's doing for the Pacers right now is, is extreme outlier territory at three of his first seven and then in this game from DP was three for five, right? So he's already hit six threes this season. He hit four as a rookie. That, you know, that should kind of tell you. He's hit six threes for the Pacers. That should kind of tell you he's an outlier territory. But he didn't have his corner threes as a rookie. This could be a thing that he's a good corner three-point shooter. And that would make him valuable as a four. He got totally punked on defense. His defense was really rough in this game. But his offense was very good. And if he continues to be a shooter, that's something the Pacers will have to monitor as they try to Find the right position for him and roll for him on this Pacers team for the rest of the season. Goga Batadze was decent to me and on the interior. Six rebounds, four assists, 12 points. Looks pretty good in this game. Did a good job slowing down the Bucks uh, on defense, I thought, and, and had some nice finishes around the rim. Uh, his shot just might not ever be a thing, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, he is a guy I want to highlight in the second segment because of his current opportunity. Uh, but the last guy I want to highlight from this game is Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor at 6'5". Played 32 minutes, guarded Giannis for a substantial part of it, plus six, 10 points, nine rebounds. He is, it doesn't make sense, but he's just able to find an impact every time he's on the floor. He finds ways to get rebounds over taller players. He finds ways to battle on defense against guys who overmatch him. He finds a way to cut around the right, the right way on offense. He's a good screener, even though he's short. If he was two or three inches taller, he'd be really good. You know, he is limited by his height because of the position he's going to play, but he he is good. He finds a way to find an impact. It seems like every time he's in the game, 
and he kept the Pacers in it for this one. You know, he was better than Jalen Smith. They played him at the four for more than more than Jalen did. They played him more than O'Shea in this game. Uh, Rick Carlisle did that. That was a smart choice to me. And you know, it, it, Terry Taylor could sneak. I mean, he he was ahead of Jalen Smith in the rotation when they played Minnesota just a few nights before. It's not crazy to me on a fully healthy team that instead of Jalen Smith, they play Terry Taylor as as one of their reserve forwards, and he deserves it. So. Rick Carlisle said after the game, I mean, he I think I agree with him. You know, they actually defended Giannis okay for some stretches of this game, even though he had 50 points, but he just had one of those games where there's nothing you could do about it. Uh, but he also said he loved the way they play, and they're playing with fewer play calls and more free in this kind of newer era, newer era of Pacers basketball. And that's very obvious. These guys are cutting for each other. They're able to pass really well and find each other. I've been always impressed with this new kind of team of how many assists they get or the percentage of their makes that are said 32 assists in this game. Against the Bucks, the Bucks only had 28, even though they won. So Pacers definitely looking good offensively in this new era. They're going to have to find some defense to win ever. They've lost seven in a row now, six in a row. They haven't won in a long time. I have not kept up with how long the losing streak is. And their best defenders are all sitting on the bench in street clothes. So once Turner returns and Brogdon returns and maybe Warren or McConnell, who knows what their timelines are, yeah, they'll be a better defensive team just by default pretty quickly. But their defense right now is really rough, and they've got to clean it up if they want to get wins with the resources they currently have. And Washington is not a team that's going to going to be too tough for them to defend a little better against, who just made some rebuilding moves. So we'll see where this is headed for the Pacers, if they can get a win in their last game before the All-Star break tomorrow. But all in all, a good performance against Milwaukee and a good-looking team right now on offense who, despite not playing together for more than five, six days for some of these guys has really started to, to, to click with each other and find a groove. It's impressive to watch. It's fun to watch. But let's single out one guy who has been here for a while, and I'm about to blow your mind with a stat. Let's talk about the second longest tenured Indiana Pacer, and that is Goga Batadze. I'm not kidding. Goga is the second longest tenured Pacer. But before we dive in to something I want to talk about with Goga Batadze, let's talk about the good folks over at Prize Picks, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? You've got to try the award-winning Prize Picks app. It's daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times your entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. They offer a variety of options, any prop you can think of, points scored, rebound steals. You can do mixed sports entries. You've got to try it for a limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an off offer for all of our listeners. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right, exclusive offer for Locked On fans. Use the code NBA. You'll get $50 for free if a Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Prize Picks daily fantasy made easy thank you everybody as always for making lockdown pacers your first listen every day i'm very much enjoying talking about actual basketball games again and not just moves the pacers can or will or should make although i did enjoy thinking about what this team could look like by the time the season ends if you're interested in that that was yesterday's show tomorrow of course we're talking pacers wizards then it's the all-star break so we'll see what kind of fun stuff i can talk about during the break, but for now, let's talk about Goga Batadze. And the reason I want to talk about Goga, and one of the well, there's two reasons. One is that I am apparently the last living member who lives in Goga Grove. I have the last property in the Grove. No one else lives there. I'm the last believer in his ability to have an impact in the NBA. 
And I and I don't think he's ever going to be a high impact starter or anything, but I think he can be in an NBA rotation, despite what a lot of people say. So that's kind of what made me decide. I want to talk a little bit about Goga and what he's been doing recently and what he can be for this Pacers team. And I think you know a big part of where where the discourse on him comes from is you know obviously Isaiah Jackson's hurt, Miles is hurt, so it's just him and Tristan Thompson is the center rotation basically right now after the Sabonis trade and. In the first game after the deadline against the Cavs, even me, the last, again, last owner of a home in Goga Grove, he was bad, right? Zero points, three fouls. Somehow they won his minutes, didn't make a shot. You know, he was really rough in that game. And I think that kind of soured some people, especially because Jackson was good in his minutes. Jalen Smith popped. They played Tristan Thompson a bunch on his future with this team. And I get it. It's the first game. But they still won those minutes, right? He, he has some level of defensive impact. Although, again, they shot like a billion percent in the first quarter that he played against the Cavs. Then against Minnesota, much better. Uh, seven points in that game, shot three for four, three rebounds. They won those minutes again, right? And then against the Bucks, even better again. His minutes go up, his points go up, his rebounds go up, four assists, right? And they did okay in his minutes, minus six against the defending champ. Still minus, not good. That is a little Pacers colored glasses of me to say, but he is ramping up, getting better, figuring out how to play with his new team. And something Carlisle said after this Bucks game that really perked my ears up is, the way the team plays now and the way the new guys kind of come in and play, a little more free, a lot more passing, a lot more ball movement and stuff, that's how Goga kind of grew up learning to play and how he's always played. And that was really interesting for me to hear, and I agree with that um, because something I've always t- – I've had this typed in my Locked on Pacers notes tab for a, a long time. Goga is kind of a rule follower on offense. Like if he knows a play or he knows what a what a free f- – like a, an action should be, he does it. And he expects that all of his teammates are going to do it too. So when they don't and he runs into his teammate or he tries to pass to someone and they're not there or something, he gets kind of frustrated and doesn't know how to be creative yet. And that lack of creativity has certainly hurt his impact. But being a rule follower isn't bad. Like if other guys do their job, it actually makes you pretty good. And that I think can kind of is what makes him have a waxing and winning level of impact is sometimes that doesn't just click with his teammates who are being creative in the moment or are cutting or something and he's not really ready for that. That's something he can grow into. But on a team like this, with a lot of passers and a lot of guys who also are not necessarily as much as him rule followers, but guys who, you know, understand where to be on on common actions and stuff. You know, Buddy's always in the right spot to shoot. Halliburton gets guys the ball. It's a lot easier for Goga to play the way that he's good at. And in this game, you know, Carlisle said he played well against the Bucs. He thought he was active. He was a good passer with those four assists. Had a nice behind-the-back assist as well, which was really cool. So Goga is growing into his role with this new team. I think that'll take him a little bit. But I still believe, again, that he can be useful for this Pacers team. Apparently, I'm the last person who thinks that. He's got to get better at screening, no denying that. And something else that is, is standing out is, especially as they get a lot faster, a lot of their new players are speedy or young enough to be fast, is he's definitely slow-footed and he's got to make up ground there. If he could just be a little better at defensive positioning, because he reads the game pretty well. You can see that in his passing. You can see that in the way he operates in the short roll, right? And we'll get to that in a second. He does read the game pretty well, and that typically translates to defense. It's like you know what's about to happen, so you can be in the right spot. But he's out of position enough that you know, he has to slide over too late, or he's he just can't get there in time. If he was a little faster, he'd be playing a little better recently. But that's still a sign to me that he can, again, get better in, in the current role he has. But the, another problem is because he's so aggressive or he's trying to be more aggressive. That's something he's talked about at practice when we talked to him earlier this week is he, when he does rotate late because he knows where he's supposed to be, but he's just out of position, he fouls, right? 
And because that happens, you know, because he's out of position twice in five minutes, then he fouls twice in five minutes, and then he doesn't play as much because Carlisle is, you know, sits guys with fouls pretty often. So he he is certainly growing and has a lot of stuff he is is not amazing at. But he is certainly also, to me, clearly figuring out how to fit with these new guys. He's playing more aggressive recently. And he's made some nice moves in the short roll situations, catching at the elbow, catching one step in front of the elbow, that have made me, again, believe that he can be a good fit on this on the Spacers team as their backup big, as whatever role he shakes out to be. Especially if Jalen Smith's a four. Like, it's basically Goga Isaiah Miles as the fives. Miles only has one year left on his deal. Like, there is a role for Goga potentially on the Pacers going forward. And I think as he continues to grow and he's looked better every game since the deadline, since the new guys are acquired, there is still a spot for him on this team. And this is a huge opportunity for him. You know, tomorrow against the Wizards could be the last game where this is the case. Maybe not. Who knows? But Miles is out. Isaiah's out. Jalen's playing four. Right? Who knows what Tristan Thompson's future is with this team. This is an opportunity for him to play huge minutes with the new guys and show that he deserves minutes going forward. And he, you know, he's played better in every game. He played well in this game. I think the Pacers will try to still get him minutes going forward uh, down the stretch of the season, even with every other big healthy. And this kind of game showed why. He can have an impact. He can pull off some impressive plays. He can be a positive player for them. Maybe not as a starter, but he's got to have more games like this. This is a big opportunity. It's very rare in his career you know, with, with Miles and, and Sabonis uh, on the team with him. His whole career, and then Isaiah Jackson's in the fold. Al Jefferson was there for one year. You know, it's been hard for him to get on the floor. This is a big opportunity right now for him to continue to grow those skills, continue to read the game a little better, and look like a better player. Now, I'm going to throw some numbers at you, and I understand that this is maybe a bad player comp, but but we'll get to the reasoning for this. Perhaps the worst draft pick in the last two decades of the Pacers, and definitely the worst pick of the Pritchard era of the Pacers. T.J. Leaf was picked in the 2017 NBA draft. He played 146 NBA games. The Pacers gave him an opportunity in all three of his first three seasons, plus he played seven games on a 2A in Portland, right? 146 games, 139 with the Pacers. That, I think, was enough. Like, even in the year three, every fan thought, yeah, give him a chance, see if he can grow into it. Goga is still not at that amount. He just played 134. So he definitely deserves more time. He's played 1,400 minutes. Lee finished with about, you know, unless he plays another game in the league, he will finish with about 1,250, so 150 shy, right? That is – TJ Lee barely played for the Pacers. Like, Goga has not played that much. Even though his game's number is high, he played a lot of garbage time. His minutes load is not that high. I just think he, he – with the right opportunity, with more minutes, with more of a defined role, which he's getting now, and he should continue to get the rest of the season, he can still continue to grow into a role-playing – big whether that's starter level whether that's bench level i don't know and a lot of people are out on him and i get it like slow unathletic unimpressive guys who make a lot of defensive mistakes yeah they, they're gonna look like they have a lot of no value games and for a guy like him who's such a rule follower who needs guys to kind of be in sync with him it's very easy for his impact to just totally disappear in the middle of a game and I understand, you know, th- that is bad. That These are negatives for, for Goga Batadze. These are not excuses. These are negative skills for him. But I still think, given his background, given the way he plays, he's got a shot. I know it's there. It just doesn't go in. <laughs> I've seen it in practices. I've seen it overseas. I've seen it in the G League. I still think he can contribute. And I think he this is a big chance for him going forward these next couple weeks, these next couple games, to really establish himself as a pacer and what he can be and what he should be 
going forward. And this is an opportunity for the Pacers to really figure out what they have with him, what they think he should be, and how Carlisle should use him going forward. Maybe that's all too. You know, I, I've had b- belief in him for a long time, and just didn't he got the opportunity. But I, maybe that's just me continuing to, to push on my own beliefs in him as a player. But this game, he played pretty well. I think he he fought often with Giannis in the post. He had some nice finishes. He had a flashy pass. His screen setting is still not there, but as he makes good short roll decisions and has an impact offensively, I continue to think Goga has a place on this team. And I just I wonder how the Pacers try to discover it the rest of the season. But he's got to take advantage of this opportunity or it's not going to matter because Isaiah Jackson is right there, ready to pounce, looks awesome every time he plays. Miles Turner is obviously one of the best three defensive centers in the NBA and is, is talented now. You know, they, they they have stuff there if he doesn't stand out. And they have ways to get more stuff there. They have Tristan Thompson right now. They have Jalen Smith right now. Terry Taylor looks like a decent five. You know, he's got to establish himself in this opportunity now or else, you know, he, his career – Maybe maybe not his career, but his, his Indiana segment of his career may be on life support. But I still believe and think he can contribute for this basketball team. I want to talk about something else now, something Goga's not very good at, and that's shooting threes. But really, I'm going to take this a different direction. I think the Pacers might be shooting too many threes sometimes. But really, I just want to talk about some interesting stats of the Pacers three-point shooting and their style of play that I think are fascinating given what we know about this team and given what the common thoughts are about this basketball team. But before... We do that. I want to talk about the good folks over at betonline.net because football might be over for the season. Congrats to the Los Angeles Rams. But basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. For the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and more. So where to find the next coach who gets fired is going to land. Betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, sports podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information you want and need. Head over to their website today or use your mobile device to sign up. Learn more about the trends in action at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.net. Excuse me. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen every single day for your second listen go check out Kane Pittman over at Lockdown Bucks breaking down Giannis scoring 50 on the Pacers an unbelievable performance from him let's talk about the Pacers and three-point shooting and there was this notion when McMillan was the coach that the Pacers needed to shoot way more threes they probably should have shot a little more but not way more and then Bjorkren kind of stabilized their three-point shooting and now Carlisle's got them shooting and they've got new shooters and they've shot a lot of threes their last three games with their new shooters and I think that's good because they admitted shooting but I want to talk about the Pacers' three-point attempt numbers this season, what I think they mean and what I think it means this new iteration of the Pacers needs to play like. Let's get number nerdy. I need like a little sound bite of saying number nerdy because I love doing this kind of stuff. But what got me thinking about this is I forget what game it was recently, but the Pacers took a ton of threes and they got, and they lost. They got smoked. And so I wanted to dig into their three-point shooting numbers. I believe it was the Pelicans game was when this when this came to my mind. They shot 46 threes against the Pelicans, and they lost. That was the game because they sh- they made way more threes than New Orleans, and they lost. And I want to look into the three-point shooting numbers. So here's a stat for you. The Pacers this season, including this Bucks game that was just played where they took 41 threes, 12 times have taken more than 43-pointers in a basketball game. In those 12 games where they've taken more than 43s, they have won one time. One single time. They beat the Knicks. 
in early November when the Pacers were actually like mostly healthy or healthy-ish and playing decently and had some hope for the rest of their season still. They won one time. Every time they shoot more than 41, they've lost, right? And some of that is, you know, three-point shots are our lower percentage in general. Uh, but, you know, in two of those games, you know, in New Orleans, that game they lost by four, they hit 41% of 46 and lost against the Cavs their first game of the new year. They hit 41% of 46 and lost. They hit 38% against Charlotte at home in late December. Lost, right? Three-point attempts high has not necessarily been good for the Pacers. And I have my theory of why, and I'll get into it in a second. But let me tell you the flip side of that stat, because I think this does an even better job hammering home the point I'm about to make. Ten times this season, the Pacers have taken fewer than 33s. Ten times. That's not very many. But that's about as many times as they've taken more than 40. In those ten games where they took less than 33s, they have six wins. They're six and four. A winning record. The Pacers suck this season, and they have a winning record when they take a very tiny number of threes this season. In fact, in their six fewest shooting threes games this season, they've won five of them. Five times. Their only loss shooting less than 29 threes was a seven-point loss against the Bulls earlier this month where they actually played pretty well given who was available for their team. So why... In the modern era of basketball, on a team that Rick Carlisle lets shoot whenever they're open and once, do the Pacers suck when they shoot a lot? Well, there are two theories I have. One, they don't have a lot of good shooters. And I'll back that up in saying before the trade deadline, they did not have a lot of good shooters. And Carlisle is very encouraging of shooting. But he talked about how at the deadline, a priority for them was adding three-point shooting. Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, there you go. You got it. Because they sucked at it, and so taking a lot can be good. They had capable shooters like Justin Holiday could make them. Levert had games where he made them. Miles Turner can make them. Malcolm Brogdon can make them. Right? They had guys who could do it capably. They had some other guys who had sprinkled in some nice games. They're in general, though, a poor shooting team. So when they take a lot, you know, they they were very confident in their open threes, but that doesn't mean they're going to go in. So part one of this is. It's kind of a it was kind of a low percentage shot for them in general. So taking a lot of them, not necessarily a good thing. But number two reason there is the Pacers before the trade deadline were at their best when they were attacking the basket and playing through Sabonis. Well, really or, but also and. And by shooting threes, sometimes threes come off driving kicks. And those are great threes. But a lot of times they can be settling and not attacking the basket threes. And sometimes they come off of Karis Levert dribbling a bunch and shooting them or Malcolm Brogdon or Lance Stevenson or some guard dribbling a bunch and not passing and shooting a three. And so that is why I think these stats bear out the way they do because when the Pacers are driving a ton and getting those points in the paint, they shoot fewer threes and they play better when they play that way. They have good rim finishers. They have Sabonis who's beast in the post and can set up guys on cuts. So the Pacers are at their best when they're driving or they were before the trade deadline. And taking a lot of threes is not necessarily a good thing or wasn't necessarily a good thing for this franchise. Now, that could change. And I think that is something I want to look into as well numerically is they have shooters now. They have Buddy Heald. They have Tyrese Halberton. And they're going to get Brogdon back at some point this season. And Miles Turner sounds like he'll be back soon after the All-Star break. Again, not none of these dates are concrete, but around that time. And T.J. Warren might return this season. There are ways they could have way more shooters than they have right now. Jalen Smith is knocked down right now. Okay, so shooting could be coming for this team. In the three games since the trade deadline, 38 threes, 
45-41. They lost all three. So something interesting is in that span, 47.5 drives per game for the Pacers since the that was in the first two games, excuse me, since the trade deadline. I don't think the third game is up in NBA.com. Allow me to refresh the tab. Yeah, it's still 47.5. They drove about the normal amount against the Bucs, I would say. That they drove 51 times per game prior to the trade deadline. So they have new shooters now. And I think we're going to see the Pacers be a lot of uh, take a lot of threes down the stretch this season. They have more guys who can shoot. Rick Carlisle's very encouraging of shooting. I think we're going to see the Pacers shoot a lot more threes. And I think that's actually good. I think that's fine because that's more what Carlisle's offense is tailored to be. And that's more what the Pacers roster can be now that they've made these deals. But I don't necessarily, but I think we'll find out a little bit. And I don't necessarily know this yet is, is that the best way? For the current Pacers to play, are they still better when they're driving? Because drives are still really important. And you know, Halliburton tries to drive and do screen navigation. And, and Buddy Heald had 36 in this game was excellent because he was attacking that basket and getting into the paint for some good two-pointers. Right, Goga was effective because he was effective in the paint. You know, Terry Taylor hit five of his shots in the paint. Kiefer Sykes hit two two-pointers. You know, they still are a good and, and maybe better team when they're driving, but threes are going to be more factored into the equation now that they have shooters. So what I'll be curious about for the Pacers and the way Rick Carlisle has this team play is how much does their three-point shooting attempts correlate with their success down the stretch of the season? Does that trend flip from early in the season? Do they do they start playing better when they take a lot because they have better shooters, or do they still play better when they take fewer because they're a much better team when they attack the basket and try to get shots at the rim? which are the best shots in basketball. I think that's worth monitoring down the stretch of the season. And I think what's going to happen is they'll be a better shooting team and thus they'll win more a few more games when they take a bunch. But I still think they'll end up looking like a better team when they're constantly attacking the basket because you know you can you can change who you are or who is on your team, but you can't change who you are. And Carlisle still loves those paint touches, loves guys getting to the rim. And I still think even with new shooters, that's the best way for this Pacers team to play is getting to the rim. So I think that they might get away with a few more wins when they take a bunch. But I think that we're also going to see the Pacers get a little more reflexive as they learn what this team is. And, you know, again, I said 38, 45, 41 are their three games of three-point attempts since the trade deadline. I think those numbers will start to go down at some point March-ish towards maybe 35 to 30 as the Pacers become more of a drive team. So they have better shooters now. They have better variants in their favor if they want to continue to be a team that shoots a bunch. And the stats say that maybe they shouldn't do that. They should probably continue to try to attack the paint at all times and create inside out. That is when teams are the best. And not having Sabonis is going to make that harder, but Tyrese Halberton's really good, and I think he'll be able to just steer their Pacers ship in the right direction. But I thought all those numbers were interesting when I discovered them, and I think they still are now, that for a team that you know, in an organization that had problems with too few threes for so long, all of a sudden they're taking too many. They got to find the happy medium. And I think it's closer to about 35 to 37 for this current team. If that was too nerdy for you, I apologize. I hope you enjoyed nerdy numbers with Tony. It's like silly songs with Larry. For those of you who watched veggie tales as a kid, nerdy numbers with Tony is of that is in that realm of silly stuff. Thank you all so much for listening to this show, talking hoops, hoops and games and numbers. My favorite Tomorrow, we're talking Pacers-Wizards. What happened in that game? Did the Pacers finally get a win? The All-Star break is here. What to watch for over the break. 
and some other general topic stuff that I like to come up with. Numbers, highlighting a player, highlighting something about this team after that game. Should be really fun. Thank you guys a ton for listening. You can yell at me for stupid stuff or serious stuff on Twitter at TEastNBA right there if you're on YouTube. This show is at Locked on Pacers. Hope everybody had a great day and enjoyed the game, and we will see you tomorrow.